Previously on Newsbreak, Lotus FM. Okay, so like I told you today is the National Day of Prayer and Reflection. So um, we are going to be, you know, taking a non-prayer aspect to it. We're just going to do a bit of a mental and an emotional check-in. So what we've learned going into COVID-19 was that, uh, of course, you know, isolation, a lot of lockdown, quarantine even, has really um, brought issues like cabin fever, like being stuck at home, being unable to move, um, you know, unable to get your endorphins going because you can't exercise as you wish, uh, being stuck in with your abuser, stuck in with a family you may not like, people you may not like, a partner you may not like. Um, We also learned of uh, economic turmoil and financial stress, not being able to earn you money and all of this snowboarding into anxiety and depression. And that was, you know, the global global sort of uh, fear and panic. Uh, I read a couple of reports saying that, um, you know, the uh, what once COVID-19 settles down, what's going to be left to the world is a pan, is, is another pandemic, a pandemic of mental illness. So um, I think this is the situation. And I wanted to check in with psychologist Dr. Sharona Ravit, who um, quickly pulled herself together to join <laughs> us on this show, didn't you? Thanks so much, Dr. Ravit. Appreciate your time. Hope your lockdown has been uh, relatively calm and safe for you. Thank you, Sinead. It's lovely to be here. Yes, I had to pull myself together quite quickly, but uh, it's all done. So. <laughs> uh, lovely, lovely to have you but yeah I mean you know we spoke a while ago and we spoke about positivity we spoke about you know adhering to lockdown saving lives the fact that you're going to have to do this in order to actually have any chance of having any sort of emotional or mental health you know post lockdown uh, but the times have changed I mean now it's gone over two months of the same sort of scenario uh, a lot of people have either created a habit of lockdown or they've just come to a point where they're numb some are breaking rules some are not even adhering to lockdown but what is very clear is that there's a new normal now and the fear is what happens after lockdown maybe if you could talk to me and even from your practice thus far what are people saying about where they find themselves right now under the um, you know big challenge that has been COVID-19 I think you know when we look at this whole situation for me for example I've worked all the way through lockdown So, you know, I haven't been exactly totally trapped in a home uh, the way a lot of people have been. Um, and But I've been faced with difficult, different difficulties. For example, a total change in behavior, having to wear masks wherever I go, uh, in the hospitals, wearing a whole lot of PPEs and things like that, um, which is extremely time-consuming. So I myself, even though I'm involved in, in a, a lot of the, the frontline work, uh, my schedule and my kind of um, usual exp- experiences have changed quite a bit because of what is required in relation to this uh, situation. So I can see how the general uh, individual out there would have, you know, panic and would actually be feeling kind of anxious at yeah. this time. Yeah, it's changed, yeah. Dr. Ravid, hasn't it? I mean, when we spoke about it about maybe two months ago, uh, we called, we used the terms of, um, you know, uh, cabin fever. Uh, we spoke about, um, you know, being unable to to move. We spoke about control. Has it changed into something else now? Because now it seems as if a lot of people are, dare I say, a bit more um, are worried to the point that they're actually quite about how challenging lockdown is. I think, you know, people have reached a stage of, I, I feel like, you know, a little bit of helplessness. Um, and, you know, helpless, helplessness and disempowerment are, 
uh, kind of feelings and conditions that lead towards things like depression and other mental uh, issues and things like that. Um, so in general, we're looking at the average individual, not the individual that's living in a home with abuse or an individual that's living in extreme poverty, um, uh, that kind of just the average home. If we're looking at that, we're looking at a huge change in a person's lifestyle. So adjustment, for example, to this total change. At first, it was, I would have to say, maybe just a tad of a, a relief because we all were on this kind of a roller coaster for a long while. And I think it was a little bit of a time out, maybe a fourth time out, which also gave us a little bit of uh, less of a conscience in relation to it. So we looked at it as maybe an opportunity, okay, it's like three weeks or four weeks, you know, and that would be it. And I think slowly people are starting to realize that that is not it, that it's going to be for a long while on, uh, that there are real dangers, uh, that those dangers are life-threatening, um, that it's not only their lives, but the lives of their family, and that it's very unpredictable. And that this illness is something also that, that there's not much known about. And the information on this illness, even among professionals, continuously changes because everybody's learning as you're going along. Yeah. So for the average individual out there, it's extremely anxiety-provoking. Yeah. Um, yeah, so people yeah. are living with that kind of anxiety. Absolutely. And yeah. You know, doctor, I want to talk about some, I think, different issues apart from that. You know, just um, yeah. just to just to really streamline it and almost get into the psyche of of the South African right now. Um, you know, it's this. I, I had a conversation about. I feel like I'm constantly being watched. You know, if I want yeah. to remove my mask for like to just breathe a little bit better, a little bit clearer, uh, somebody's yeah. tapping me on my shoulder and being like, "Sorry, sir, you need to put your mask back on." Um, exercise is controlled you know everything is just coming with a lot more uh, terms and conditions um, and and then you also get the other side of it where a lot of people are throwing caution to their to the wind some are getting their hair done you know some are having the gatherings at home some are doing what you should not be doing so it's almost a tussle that the individual goes through why can he do it and I can't and when I do it I'm being sort of policed on so many levels. What does that do to a person? You know, I think it's a feeling of being trapped so and disempowered again, as I was saying. So it's like your rights are kind of, you feel as if your rights are kind of being taken away from you. You also feel that you don't have a voice because a lot of these things were brought down without uh, public opinion, really speaking. It was considered a state of emergency, and so everything was imposed upon people, rather than people having a voice and discussing and coming to some kind of a conclusion. Um, in relation to those individuals that are not following the lockdown and things, I mean, that's a little bit of deviant behavior, I have to say. Um, because, again, there, we are looking at real risk, uh, risk. So if people are actually exposing other people, that's a violation for a reason. Um, and and it, it's a danger to, to other people as well. And so that also is a little bit of a gray area. And that individual and those individuals, are, I think, would fall into another arena. The individuals that are trying to follow the rules and are trying to uh, practice what needs to be practiced and behave in appropriate ways and manage the situation, I think those are the individuals that are feeling quite trapped and I think how they it would make them frustrated, wouldn't it? Yes, because they need to, I think, reframe this. And I think you need to look at it in a different way rather than a disempowering way. I think people need to look at it as an empowerment because you are given the option and the opportunity to actually live better, make better choices, help other people, um, have compassion towards others, um, and turn towards your faith. 
um, you know, can become more spiritual. Um, you know, that kind of a thing where we actually, I think we need a little bit of a revamp of that within the world we live in at the moment. Yeah. So I think we need to reframe it and use mm. the time that we now have at our disposal in a positive way to build on those things. And I understand it would be within the capacity or of the environment that the person, in, the individual lives in. Um, and I would, I, I understand that it would be a bit different for different people. Yeah. But what I'm saying is to use these uh, opportunities and the regulations and things to work for you within the parameters of managing the situation. Yeah, yeah. That would give you a sense of control, which takes away the frustration. Yeah, that so would Im- take away the disempowerment. It's particularly interesting, and you say use this time positively. I know my mother for the first time made muffins the other day, and they were the best muffins <laughs> I've ever eaten. So I think that's that's what you tap into, right? Try something new and see what happens, and find yourself. But uh, doctor, we've we've often spoken about anxiety, depression. We've spoken about control and helplessness. Uh, we'll come back to financial stress just now, but I want. I want to talk about this because we've never looked at it through this particular point. Um, the issue of grief and loss, meaning so yeah. much that one has had to lose during COVID-19. Maybe your, wed- uh, your wedding has been cancelled. You were supposed yeah. to get married last month and now that can't happen. You know, so many students are missing their graduation. They've worked four, five years yeah. to get there and now they can't, you know, yeah. go to their graduation. Um, somebody was planning an amazing little 40th birthday to celebrate how five coming alive and they can't do it. So talk to me about that whole kind of I'm at such a loss because whatever I wanted to do in 2020, I can't do now. How are people dealing with that? Absolutely. That's absolutely brilliant, Suresh, because that is an area that gets neglected. You know, a lot of times we look at bereavement and grief and things, and we look at it as only in relation to individuals. And obviously in this situation, we're looking at that quite a bit because we're looking at more of an anticipated grief or bereavement. We're not sure if something might happen to somebody that we love. But that's in relation to people. But the people also feel lost in relation to things, in relation to activities, uh, lifestyle, um, and, and a whole lot of other things. Any loss, people feel grief and that kind of thing. So that is where the transition also comes in because with transition, you do give up a lot of things. But you've got to actually look at what it is you're getting and reframe that within the situation that you're in. In that way, you move forward, but you also bring change in. So you take what is good and you keep the good and you let go of whatever was bad for you. A lot of times we find as we look at situations like this, for example, most of us are going through financial uh, strain at the moment. Many people haven't earned anything in, in, in lots of months, but what, what I think more comforting about that is that we're all in it together. So it's not now where you're isolated and on your own. And a lot of times isolation and feeling alone emotionally comes from difficulties you're going through, but we don't realize other people are going through that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a group situation here as well where we need to look at everybody is also kind of going through the same thing. Mm. And the the government uh, elements that are brought in in relation to the financial assistance, when we do those things, irrespective of whether we feel that it's going to come through or not, when we do those things, we are actually taking control of a situation. Yeah. So when we fill those applications, we're taking control. And as we take control, that will help us feel better by reducing our anxiety because we feel like we're doing something constructive. Yeah, I want to link to that, Dr. Ravat. I want to link to that that that, that uh, point of action that you're talking about. Uh, back to the whole issue of grief or you know losing losing out on something yeah. that you wanted to achieve. Um, the other thing to be to, to bear in mind is that. 
this isn't going to be here forever, isn't it? So you may have missed yes. out on celebrating something today that you had scheduled, saved and planned for, but mm. you're still going to get the opportunity maybe in six months, which is an agonizing wait, but you ultimately yes. still going to get the opportunity again, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, look, my daughter missed her graduation and they were promised something on TV and it was like, you know, a pretty little thing that had nothing really much to do with them. So it was a huge disappointment. Um, and people, my, one of my daughter's friends overseas had planned um, a destination wedding um, in Cyprus and uh, that had to be cancelled as well because of the travel ban. And I mean, people in those situations, they, they often lose a lot of money. So they're looking at not only losing the, the, the celebration that they've faced for for so many years, and and you know the whole event and the family and the and everybody else's plans that also have had to be changed. The people haven't seen for so long enough. They will see again for a while longer. Um, you also losing a lot of money and things. So there's a lot of grief in relation to that stuff. Because people do have fantasies, and by fantasy, I'm putting in verse commas. Really, we have a, a fear an idea of what we're going to be doing in the near future and what we're going to be doing in the distant future. And so you're extremely right that what happens now at this time, all those things are put on hold. Yeah, Everything, yeah. the entire situation is a situation of uncertainty. However, the situation of uncertainty and this situation of transition is temporary, as we said. Yeah. The only issue with the temporary nature of it is how long is this temporary situation going to be lasting? That's the uncertainty. And that question mm. is, I think, what actually gets people a little worried and I think a bit flustered because the unpredictability is what causes the anxiety. Yeah. So Doc, there's a message here for you. Mm. A message here for you and some, some um, sorts of comments coming through for you. Anonymous says, I was stuck. Um, with my husband for 60 days at home, I was suicidal on many occasions, but my husband was hard of hearing. It was very, very difficult, uh, but I just made it. Um, and this is basically um, the point I want to raise is relationships, a lot of relationships taking a knock, yeah. whether you are married, living with your partner or whether you're simply dating somebody. You know, how important uh, is it to... Be of a mindset to say, wait a second, there are kind of different rules right now in lockdown. So maybe don't be too dramatic and too, um, you know, um, definitive in your decision making because lockdown is in itself a weird evil that just basically makes everything murky right now. Absolutely. I mean, the sun does make everything much more difficult. And those people that are living in dysfunctional situations, um, I think, you know, have uh, are the hardest hit, let's put it that way. Um, and we're looking at abuse situations, situations where people don't get along. You know, generally, individuals can be accommodating to a certain level. Um, and, and so for a certain period of time, they might be able to tolerate the situation. But as time goes on, frustrations come in, it becomes harder to ignore and harder to tolerate. I think what's important to note here again is that when it comes to these serious situations and emergency situations, the lockdown, it does not prevent you from getting help. So if you needed to get a help to go to a hospital or you needed to come and see uh, me or any mental health professional, I mean, we are easily able to accommodate that because we are working through the situation. So we can accommodate for emergencies. Um, and the hospitals do accommodate for emergencies, and I'm talking about even the psych hospital. 
So if somebody is suicidal and there's an emergency in their relation, there are protocols that can be used. For example, they can go to trauma and trauma will admit them into the psych unit. So, or they can contact one of us and we can contact the, the psych hospital and get them admitted into the psych unit as an emergency. So emergencies are still being addressed. So an individual needs a time out from a situation where they can't actually leave home. Um, they've got nowhere else to go, but they are feeling suicidal. And I'd like to mark this, that this is not something that's just in lockdown. There's a lot of people in general out there who are trapped in situations where they don't have the finances or the means or the social support to leave a bad situation. Yeah. They live with this 24-7. So we deal with this anyway, even after lockdown period. So with the lockdown as well, those individuals are not there alone. They're not left out there alone. They can use their phone. They can give a call, give us a call, or they can get to the hospital, which they're allowed to do, and, and get admitted yeah. um, via the emergency protocol. Yeah. So there are options for the serious conditions out Definitely. there. Definitely. Dr. Love, two points to end as you wrap up, and I go to a bit more messages here. Um, the one that I wanted to talk to you about was... Um, the big one of the time um, there's a great sense of anxiety right now um, should I send my my child to school or not is school going to be safe uh, whether or not the department gets their ducks in a row and you know provides all that they need to provide to school is the physical act of my child being at school in a time of COVID-19 as the numbers continue to increase is it the right thing to do or not you know must I homeschool must I let the year go but what about this what about that it's a great point of anxiety for many um, your advice to the many parents who are so anxious right now you know I have to say you know usually you know we don't tell people what to do we help people along to make decisions of their own however I'm going to say from a personal note if I had my children in school I would not send them back to school now um, it is extremely hard to regulate adults in relation to wearing of masks, in relation to social distancing, uh, in relation to washing their hands all the time. So I cannot imagine how they're going to manage school children at uh, that number of individuals in, in a small environment um, and, and to monitor what's going on because the natural inclination is to touch our face. Our natural inclination is not to wash our hands every five minutes. And, I mean, they're not going to be having things like alcohol-based 70% you know, sanitizers and things that school children share food sometimes, especially if they're younger. Um, and so my advice would be rather to err on the side of caution, and that's what I would do. Um, in relation to homeschooling, there are lots of options available. Lots of parents are not able to do this on their own. So um, because they might have to go to work themselves. Um, and so it becomes a bit difficult because homeschooling, if you're looking at it from the school, that they have now, which a lot of schools have been doing, where they've been giving the kids online stuff to do. Um, parents have to be constantly involved. But there are other homeschooling options available. So I think parents need to look at whether they want their child to continue, which is a possibility. And if they're willing to carry on with homeschooling for now, which is a huge possibility. And lots of options out here in South Africa for homeschooling. And the homeschooling is excellent. The programs are excellent. So uh, there are those options that, that somebody can turn to should they not want to lose yeah. the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they decide that they can do, can't do that, they want to lose the year, they need to accept that there's a reason for this. There's a purpose for this. We've got to look at the bigger picture. We've got to look ahead at the broader scheme of things. And we're going to decide what is important to us. 
And obviously the health and well-being of our children is very important to us. The thing is with COVID-19 is that we're finding lots of things about, you know, it's not, not affecting children too badly. And yet, but there's lots of research that are coming out where certain kids get affected quite badly by this virus. So it's not to cause panic or anything like that because that's the case with all illnesses. There's no way of predicting how somebody's going to respond yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, however, children carry it often and it can get then transmitted to an adult. Yeah. And so what happens is you are then increasing the the possibility of infection, widespread infection. Yeah. So from the schools and going into the home. Yeah. So then it becomes redundant then for us to to social distance and isolate ourselves and wear masks and things if the virus is coming home. home. Yeah, yeah. Well Dr. Yeah. Lava, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it for that check in um with everybody. Uh and look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much, Suresh and take care. You as well. Look forward to the bits of information and advice that you continue to provide to us, Dr. Sharuna Davit over there.